Thank you for listening to Weekly Wisdom, the podcast of First Presbyterian Church in Haddonfield, New Jersey. This episode is a sermon preached by Reverend Marvin Lindsay titled, Expect the Unexpected. It's based on Isaiah chapter 64, and in the sermon, Reverend Lindsay talks about how to deal with and process our impatience for things to change in our lives and in our We hope that you'll enjoy it. But waiting is hard. Your children and grandchildren might be struggling right now because they already can't wait until Christmas Day comes and they open those presents under the tree. Uh, and adults have a hard time waiting this time of year as well. Adults can't wait until after Thanksgiving to put lights up on their houses and then inflate snowmen in their front yards and hear Mariah Carey sing all I want for Christmas is you. You've got to have that the day after Halloween, don't you? You've got to have it. Waiting is hard for everyone this time of year. Waiting demands patience. And the word patience comes from a Latin word which means to suffer or to experience. Elsewhere in the Bible, the Apostle Paul urges his readers to endure everything with patience while they joyfully await receiving the inheritance that God has laid up for them. Patient waiting is nothing other than Enduring with endurance. An endurance that is born of the hope that new heavens and a new earth await us. A hope that there is something more glorious than death is painful, that awaits us after the grave and awaits all of human history. But we live in a world where patience is in short supply. With good reason, okay? Ukrainians can't wait for the Russians to get back on their side of the border. Jews and Muslims in the United States are sick and tired of being harassed because they wear a kippah, or they wear a hijab, or they wear a kippah. Young adults are running out of patience with world leaders because time is running out to do something meaningful and important about the threat of climate change. Maybe you as an individual are finding it hard to be patient this year for more personal, less uh, what's the word, less headline-grabbing reasons. Maybe your daily commute just drains every last ounce of patience out of you. Maybe you find it hard to wait for your loved one to finally admit that they have an addiction and to get some treatment for it. Maybe you're wondering how long you're going to have to wait for your loyalty and hard work at the company you've been at for years to be rewarded with a pay raise or with a promotion. Patience is a virtue, and in the Bible we read that patience is a fruit of the Holy Spirit. But if you've run out of patience on this December 3rd, 2023, be gentle with yourself. You are in good company. The prophet Isaiah can't even with his situation either. Did you listen to that passage in uh, chapter 64? The leaders of the nations act like they are accountable to no one. They act like might makes right. And his own people, he draws in for an even more scathing criticism. Israel is supposed to be God's holy and treasured possession, like fine linen tablecloths on which God would feed the nations a meal of justice and love. But Israel is more like the dirty rags your mechanic wipes his hands off with after he's 
performed an oil change. The people of God are a spent force for good in the world, says the prophet. Our good works, he says, are less like fruits of the Spirit and more like the last of the autumn leaves that skitter about in a cold December wind. But Isaiah's patience hasn't run out with world leaders or with his own people, as though he's sick and tired of waiting for them to shape up. The prophet has run out of patience with God. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Furthermore, the prophet states that God's absence from the daily lives of his people and the lives of the nations is the cause, not the effect, of the mess that Israel and the nations had made of themselves. You were angry and we sinned. You hid yourself and we transgressed. We might have expected it to be just the opposite. We might have expected him to say, we sinned and you were angry. We transgressed and you hid yourself as though our sins have driven God away in anger. But that's not what he says. The prophet says that God, for reasons known only to God, has taken a hike. And everything as a result has gone to rack and ruin. That's why the rulers acted in unity, he says. God has been absent from human affairs for so long that the leaders of the world no longer know the name of the Lord, much less fear that name. That's why the houses of worship are empty, he insists. Why seek out or lay hold of a God who isn't available? Now, mixed in with all of these complaints about God's absence are some affirmations of faith. The prophet does admit that usually God's timing is perfect. He's heard all those stories that you heard if you were alive or in Sunday school or that your children are hearing even now in Sunday school and vacation Bible school about how the Lord intervened to save God's chosen people always just in the nick of time. The Lord, he admits, is beyond compare when it comes to coming through for those who patiently wait on God. But these stories that he's been nurtured with in the present moment, they have exhausted their ability to spur him to greater patience. Lord, you're late. Where are you, God? How much longer are we going to have to wait? I can't wait a day, an hour, a second longer. Doesn't sound very pious, does it? Doesn't sound like what God's spokesperson would say. But this is why I think the Bible is true. Because of passages like this. The Bible mostly encourages us to have faith and hope that the one true God whose nature is love is bringing about new heavens and a new earth. And that hope in the universal restoration of all things will not disappoint us. But the Bible is not just propaganda, okay? There is a minority report in the pages of Scripture. And in that minority report, you find prophets impatient with the one who has called them to prophesy. And you find matriarchs and patriarchs laughing at God's promises. And you find apostles and disciples doubting if the resurrection is true. Isaiah 64 is part of the minority report, where we wonder, is he gone forever? But the flip side of this minority report is an admission 
that everything depends on the presence and power of God. So the flip side of this complaint is a remarkable statement of faith. Israel and the world are utterly dependent on God coming down if we are to be the world that God created us to be, if we are to be saved, if there is to be any hope. If God will not dwell where the people gather to worship, and if God will not melt hardened hearts and set them on fire with a desire to do God's will, and if God will not bend the evils that the rulers of this world commit to some greater good, then where is the hope? Everything hinges on God coming down. It all depends on that. Do we believe that? Y'all believe that? I mean, we're Presbyterians, okay? Um, and Presbyterians, you know, they tend to be higher, more highly educated than most folks, and they tend to have a little more money than most folks. Uh, and that's compared to the average American. And the average American is way, way ahead in a much more favorable position than anybody else in the world. You know, we Presbyterians, we tend to be movers and shakers in our corporate and civic worlds. We know how to get things done, right? Uh, William Ernest Henley's poem, Invictus, it kind of gives voice to the code that many of us live by. I am the master of my faith. I am the captain of my soul. But the prophet's complaint about God's timing is also an indictment of that can-do mentality and our supreme confidence in human planning and strategies. Our faiths, our souls, our churches, and our day-to-day -day lives are in God's hands, not in our own. Yes, we need plans. We need a plan to curb carbon dioxide emissions, and we need a plan for Middle East peace, and we need plans and laws and programs and strategies to save people from getting shot and killed in our cities and suburbs. But impertinent Isaiah, rude Isaiah, complaining Isaiah, insist that what we need more than anything else is for God to come down. The good news is that God has heard that prayer. God has come down. God hears the prophet's frustrations. God hears your frustrations. God comes down in the most powerful and yet in the most unexpected of ways, squeezing the fullness of God's divine nature into the womb of a young Jewish peasant girl living under enemy occupation. Growing in that womb, being born as a little boy, a helpless baby, wrapped up in cloths and kept warm in straw in a feed trough. This boy, who was born as far away as you can possibly get from palaces or C-suites, grows up to embody God's will perfectly with his wise words and with his compassionate deeds. He gives his life, this life that began in his mother Mary's womb, he gives his life back to God from whom he came in a shameful death on the cross to transform us from dirty rags into fine linen. And God raised him from the dead. And through faith in him, God will raise all of us to new life in this age and eternal life in the age to come. God, whose 
Wisdom looks like foolishness in what God has done in Jesus Christ, and whose power looks to us like weakness is still at work. God is still at work, strengthening us and renewing this weary world. God continues to come to us in spiritual presence and power. And in that story, which we know so well, and which we recite every year this time, has lost its power to sustain you in patient endurance. Then come to the table. Through this meal, we are joined by God's Spirit to the one who is the main character in this story. The one who was born, lived, died, and rose to transform us and to forgive us. Jesus Christ. This meal seals the story of God coming down on our hearts. And it nurtures that story there so that it germinates and bears fruit in our lives. Fruits of patient endurance. The fruits of joy and love. Fruits of peace and kindness. Apart from this meal, the story of the gospel is just a story. You know, it might be wishful thinking. It might be true. Who knows? But when we couple it with this meal, and when we come to this table in trust and in hope, the story of Christ writes a new story for our lives. No longer are we stumbling and staggering from one blasted thing to another, but we are living lives in which we can both accept with patient endurance the things that God alone can change and courageously change the things that are within our power to change. Not because we're all that smart, or all that strong, or all that clever, but because God comes down to work within us, stirring up in us a desire for the things that God desires, and an eagerness to do what is pleasing to God. In the name of the one who is, and who was, and who is to come. Thanks for listening. Please rate and review this podcast so that we can reach more people with the good news of Jesus Christ. To support our ministry, go to www.haddonfieldprez.org and click on the Give tab at the top of the page. Grace and peace be with you.